the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along for the Thursday edition. It's gorgeous summer day. Kath, good to see you again. Happy to be here, John. Thank you. We, uh, we're tripping the light fantastic down at the Carnegie Science Center. It's our friend Ralph. Thanks to our friend Ralph Crew, mm-hmm. program director down there. Yeah. He's, I know, a hugely popular guest on our show. Hugely. And we had, it was, you know, he always comes to us, to our bailiwick in the right. studio. And today we went to his. Yeah. Saw a movie. You saw the uh, Da Vinci uh, exhibit. Event? The it, the Da Vinci exhibit is only there through Monday. Mm-hmm. You have to see it if you are at all a fan of his or can are like me fascinated that someone could be such an accomplished everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> his breath. You know what I learned today? Mm. He was a wedding planner. What? What do you mean he was a wedding planner? Yeah. There was such a thing in Da Vinci's time. Do you know he was a chef? I did not. Do you know he ran his own restaurant? No, I did not. That was while he was being a world-class artist, a sculptor, yes. an engineer. Uh, did you know a that futurist. He, Did you know that he was a military strategist? I did not know mm-hmm. that. Did you know that he built he drew the plans for the first tank? <laughs> I did know that. Mm-hmm. Yes. A truly what they would call a renaissance man. That's thrown he around was, a lot. He is the only one really. Yeah, really. Yeah. That there's ever been. I mean, what did the man not, not do. do. Yeah, it's fabulous. It's fascinating. Anyway, so thanks to Ralph. We got to see Apollo 11, yep. which completely blew my mind. Excellent. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. Okay, very I good. I want to wish you a happy National Chop Suey Day, John. Oh, well, I like some chop suey. I re- and it's been a long time since I've had chop suey. Do you like chop suey? No, I don't think I've ever had it. What? You, Mike, chop suey? Never had it either. What? How about lechoy? You never had lechoy? I know, it, make, like that I know it makes Chinese food. Sing American. <laughs> what? I grew, okay, as, you know, as, as one of seven kids for our birthday, like a lot of families do, we got to choose our favorite food. Right. Year in and year out, I'm pulling up the chop suey. Give me the chop suey for my birthday. I loved it so Pull up much. the cans of LaJoy. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. That is now, would you consider that low rent looking back on it? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't consider it high cuisine if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a like a lot of what I have eaten in the past. It's a sentimental food, mm, right? right. Um, but I, I can't tell you the last time I've had it. But if someone sat down what they would consider chop suey in front of me, I'd happily have a go at it. I really would. I'd be a little embarrassed to order it at a Chinese restaurant if there even is such a thing right, on the because, menu. Because anyone who was taking that order would be like, "You realize that's not Chinese food," <laughs> and you'd say, "I know." No, wait, no. Okay, so. Chop suey in the in you know in an old vernacular would be people who were of Asian heritage right. would go to their refrigerator and go we had this on Sunday we had this on Monday and today's Friday I'm I'm just going to throw all this stuff together and put it in a pot and we called it they called it chop suey I don't know though if it was people who invented it because they were trying to use leftovers 
or it was something that Chinese immigrants made for Americans that Americans liked. I wonder. I'm not sure what it is. I know it was mid to late uh, 1800s. So when you think about what happened for the railroads and the – the onrush of Asian immigrants right. who were, were brought in, you know, from San Francisco to build the railroads to north. How many people? That's what they ref, they right. folded back on. Well, that. you know, it's believed. I'm just looking it up here uh, to be based on the Chinese dish sap sui, which means miscellaneous leftovers. There you go. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just mix it up, put it in a pot, and everybody's happy. I like. I it. like it. I mean, I, I'd happily, you don't like it that much if you've well, never. Well, here's the thing, though. I always thought it was like fake Chinese food. Well, most Chinese, but food, all I mean, Chinese food is fake because right. it's not. I'm sure it doesn't taste anything like food in China. No. So why am I so? Why am I being all like, ooh? I don't know. I what? think I ought to relax a oh, little. Kung Pao chicken plus and all I, that's authentic. Plus, I like a lot of leftovers, you know, naturally. Well, you know, one of these days I'm going to go to Giant Eagle and go down to the that, okay. to that can aisle. Can you imagine what the sodium content is in the Lechoy chop suey can? Yeah, it's probably the. I'm gonna- Exactly. Mike, look up Mike um, LaChoy makes Chinese food. I'd like to hear that on YouTube. Would you like to hear Sing that? American. Oh, that was a big that thing. That was a big thing. I mean, you know, we in did the you, 60s, we were trying feel, new stuff. Did you feel a little cosmopolitan when you were eating it? Of course it? I did. <laughs> Kidding me? I'm eating Chinese food. This is like unbelievable. Yeah. For certain, just about every night at this time, I'm right here fixing dinner for the family. Tonight, it's LaChoy chicken chow mein. Oh. Sometimes it's beef or shrimp sure. or pepper oriental. Heat the meat and gravy from the top can and add the crisp oriental vegetables from the bottom can. Mm. Serve it with LaChoy chow mein noodles or rice and LaChoy soy sauce. Just think of it. LaChoy makes Chinese food. Swing American. Oh, it's swing American, not sing I'm American. sing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would like to try that. Now I've sort of got a yeah. taste for okay. it. Okay, I think you should stop on the way home. You're mm. going to get your new glasses. Right. Go get a and treat yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be what six a buck, bucks, a buck two eighty nine. I for don't the can. know. You know, you get, get something like you buy that. some meat and you're good to go. Food and Wine magazine also weighing in when it comes to food. Uh, they have put together a list of the best fast food by state. Now I don't really get this because you think if you're eating. You know, Burger King in Tennessee or the state of Washington, wouldn't it be the same? Mm, probably, but every state has like their own sort different. of, right, yeah, their thing. Right. So the Food and Wine magazine, oddly enough, has named Wawa as the best fast food in the state of Pennsylvania. Now, my guess is a lot of people don't even know what I, Wawa is. I had to ask you what it was. Yeah. I, I know I've seen the sign, but I'm pretty sure it was in... Like South Carolina or right. Virginia or something. I yeah. don't think it was here. They are generally uh, stores, Wawa with stores in Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. Yeah. Okay. We've got family in Virginia. So when my kids were little, one time I went in to fill up you know, gas, like get-go or mm-hmm. sheets, and it was Wawa. And we went in and they got a sandwich and they were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. They would talk about Wawa in hushed tones, kind of like how I would talk about chop suey. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Wawa is Philadelphia-based, Lehigh Valley, and then there's Sheets on this side of the state. And they're pretty much the same thing. It's a gas station, right. and then there is you know Italian hoagies or meatballs or whatnot that you order there, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Mike, have you had them? I can attest to that, um, that poll. Tell me. It's definitely, it's definitely correct, because the first time I went to Philadelphia, I was going to college at Valley Forge. Had a Wawa. And I went to... Somebody went up to me and was like, hey, you want to go to Wawa with me? And I'm yeah. like, 
what are you speaking in tongues? I don't know mm-hmm. what the heck you're saying. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, you have to check out Wawa and their, um, their turkey and stuffing and cranberry hoagie. Oh. And it was slamming. Really? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd go there at least once a week in college. No kidding. It's definitely better than Sheets. I mean, I still love Sheets. I, lo- I love their, uh, their fried mac and cheese. I've never eaten it, Sheets. I've never eaten it. I've never yeah. had either. Their no. hot dogs are pretty good. Their fried mac and cheese, oh my gosh, it's... Yeah. Fast food. It's really, really good. All right. So Wawa thumbs up if you're from Philadelphia and uh, visiting Virginia. I guess I'm just a little upset that our side of the state wasn't consulted. Not at all. No. I mean, I'm glad Wawa's good, but I just feel like we were left out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. What about, um, I mean, Sheets is, what about Get-Go as opposed to Sheets, right? Are they, well, get uh, And I never, eat, I never eat any of that food. Yeah. Nothing. Like, look, I'm ready to eat chop suey. They serve chop suey. Maybe I'd stop by Wawa. <laughs> I bet they do. You know. Maybe in honor of you, they might if they're listening. Perhaps so. Yeah, all, right. all right. Let's ask for that. We can't get it Eaton Park to do a pie. I mean, let's go. That's because you have such a negative attitude. I'm just telling the no, truth. No, no, you have exactly. Hey, coming up next, Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance. We'll talk about recession. Maybe not. 101.5 WORD. Every marriage has areas that are working and others that could improve. The Focus on Marriage Assessment will help you discover and evaluate 12 essential traits to build a relationship that thrives. It's free. Take the free assessment by logging on to our station website and use the keyword marriage. Also, win an all-inclusive marriage retreat with a cabin, meals, and retreat activities and $1,000 to cover flight and incidental expenses, plus a free ebook download of date night ideas. Take your marriage from good to great. Register for the Marriage Getaway at wordfm.com slash marriage. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Providence Presbyterian Church. Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Chuck Swindoll, Bible teacher on Insight for Living. You've likely heard my recent comments about the urgency of our financial needs. The next few days will determine the future of Insight for Living Ministries. We have a long way to go. To respond to the urgent need facing Insight for Living, give a donation right now. Call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org. From the creators of War Room. The Kendrick Brothers return to the big screen with Overcomer. Why have a season with one runner? One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define me? Overcomer, now playing. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shirer. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. 
Visit OvercomerMovie.com. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. If you've been reading the news over the last several months or so, it feels as though the economic headlines are saying, headed for a recession, headed for a recession, you better tighten your belt or plan for what's ahead. And I often wonder, is that is that true or is this hashtag fake news? What, what's at the bottom of this? Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's a regular guest on our show. Jerry's also the editor of Town Hall Finance. And Jerry, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Real good, thanks. Always good to have you with us. So, Jer, are we ready to fall off a cliff, or are hard times ahead for us? Um, yeah, hard times are ahead for us, um, but that doesn't mean hard times are ahead in the near future. There's always hard times ahead. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Um, there's people who make their career on predicting you know, terrible things, um, and they can predict them for 10, 15, 20 years and then you hit a really bad recession, they say, see, I was right. Oh, right. Like, no, yeah. you, were most, you were mostly wrong. Um, but the, the point is not to predict that the, I, I will predict that we have a terrible depression ahead of us. I also predict that we'll have a wonderful boom ahead of us. And I'll say some, sometime in the next 50 years, both of those will happen. Um, and I'm almost sure that I'm right, but it's almost useless information. So I mean, the point is to have some idea what's within the like the investable horizon or the decision-making horizon. Very good. Um, and and I think this this discussion kind of gives us a chance to think about how we think um, because we seem to have two settings in our economic discussion. One is that we've got a wonderful boom going on, greatest in the history of our country, maybe. Um, and the other is we're on the verge of a terrible recession and, eco- and an economic collapse. Um, and when you hear people talking that way, in general, I want you to stop and think, well, it's probably not driven by the evidence because the evidence can't be sending out those such incredibly mixed signals. The truth wouldn't be – the real evidence wouldn't lead one group of people to think that this is the greatest economy in the world and the other group of people to think that this is a terrible economy, um, that if there are people that split in their views – then they were split before they ever looked at the evidence. They're split because their guy isn't in power or their guy is in power or because they're people who always think that terrible things are ahead, just ahead, or terrible things are just behind. They've got, there's a broken thought process. A, a thought process that isn't broken is going to tend to change over time, meaning sometimes you'll think that things are going to get better and sometimes they won't. In other words, you're not a constant pessimist or a constant optimist, and it won't always align with your political interest. That, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a hint to me that someone's actually following the evidence. So I'm, I tend to gravitate towards people, um, and I happen to be one of them, who have been saying the economy is definitely slowing down. But this does not look like a recession, or if it is a recession, it doesn't look like a serious recession. Because that's what the data is saying, because some data are saying, eh, not so great, and some are saying pretty good, and some are saying, ah, oh, pretty bad. And when, and when the evidence is mixed, our opinion should not be firmly on one side or the other. Right. Okay, so then, Jerry, all this talk, can talk tip economics? I mean, does that make any sense? 
No, I don't think it does. I've always thought that that's nonsense, the idea that the media can jawbone the economy down. Um, and I remember in uh, 2000, I was a radio host at the time, um, and I was debating with someone at CMU who had been Clinton's, uh, the head of the Clinton's uh, Council of Economic Advisors. And I said, I think we're heading into a recession. And she said, well, our models don't show that. And we actually did have a recession. This isn't about me being right or wrong. This is just about how people think. Right. See, her models didn't show it because her guy was, was in charge. Right. And around that time, the Clinton people started to talk about how the Bush people are jawboning the economy down because they were pointing towards a recession. No, they weren't. Markets don't listen to vice presidential candidate Dick Cheney and say, well, <laughs> he's saying the economy is not so, so good, so we're not going to build this plant. I mean, I, 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 people who talk that way have no idea how business decisions are made. Business decisions are made by serious people with serious levels of responsibility based on serious analysis. They don't turn on the nightly news and hear what some politician or hack thinks and on that basis go and make these decisions. Uh, and now it's, the other, now it's the other side. Now we've got a Republican president. And the media is talking negatively about the economy and the economy is actually slowing down. So the Republican boosters are saying, oh, well, if the economy is slowing down, it's because the media has manufactured a recession by talking people into in a recession mindset. I'm sorry. The economy doesn't work that way. It's not a mood ring. Um, we, we can be in a good mood and have a b bad economy and in a bad mood and have a good economy. Um, the economy is, is dependent on the quality of the decisions made, the quality of the policies. Um, and the fact is that the policy decision-making has been kind of bad this year. It's been trade wars and uh, uncertain policy outlook and high levels of uncertainty. So it's not the mainstream – or I'm sorry, the lamestream media <laughs> talking down the economy – it's bad policy. Now, also, oh, you're just saying that because you hate Trump. No, uh, it, we had great policy last year. There was, it was traditional conservative policy, tax cuts and deregulation. And the economy boomed last year. The economy was booming last year because there was a good policy environment. And it's slowing down this year because we've moved in a bad direction in terms of policy. Because it's not personalities that matter. It's the principles they're following that matter. Last year, the year before, Trump was basically following traditional conservative principles. This year, he's embracing economic nationalism and reality show brinksmanship. Um, and because of that nonsense, the economy is slowing down. It matters what policy is. It doesn't matter what the media says. That's great. Jerry Boyer is with us. We're going to take a quick break talking economics. And in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about um, sin screening. How do you engage with corporations you don't agree with morally? Stick around. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term Term Life Insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. 
He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs, and we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Sleep impacts your ability to focus, learn, and solve problems. But according to Harvard Medical School, only 11% of American college students are sleeping well. At the Original Mattress Factory, we can't guarantee that your college student won't stay up until 3 a.m. cramming before a big exam. But we can provide a hand-built, high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price when they are finally ready to get some rest. Visit an Original Mattress Factory store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Indeed, used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. Hi, this is Brad Marshall, General Manager here at Salem-Pittsburgh. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're a listener to our station. If you love this station and you have experience in sales, We'd love to talk to you. You already understand our mission and what we do. So now maybe you'd like to join this team. If you have sales experience and understand digital marketing, we might have a job for you. Call me and we'll discuss the next steps. Call Brad, 412-503-4770. If you love us, come join us. It could be a life-changing opportunity for you. You'll never know unless you call. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. It will be a bit milder across the area tonight under a mostly clear sky, the low 64 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine will be mixed with some clouds, a warmer afternoon, high 82 Clear to partly cloudy tomorrow night, comfortable going down to 59 degrees. And the nice-looking start to the holiday weekend Saturday, partly sunny, staying pleasant with a high of 78. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. From Town Hall Finance, Jerry Boyer is with us. We're talking economics. Jerry, these are... I, 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 I don't know how else to say it other than these are weird times. But <laughs> as I look at how people are are talking about the world and even making decisions on what to buy where, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that you know people want corporations to act as moral agents now, way more so than they ever used to do. And I, maybe that's because they're dissatisfied with government. What do you think? Yeah, I think part of it is they can maybe make more headway with corporations than they can with government, mm, yeah. um, especially since most most of the momentum um, in terms of sort of pushing corporations around and trying to turn them into moral. And I think it's almost more political agents, mm, yeah, that's um, a good point. you know, with a, with a kind of a moralistic tinge to it. 
is because they're not they're not they're not so happy with this, with what's coming out of the political system. So it's like at least we can push around Nike or Under Armour or something like that and, and make them woke. Um, so I think it's partly frustration. I think it's partly that politics are eating everything up. Um, that politics, idolatrous politics, tend to replace religion because they are a religion. Um, and so that's you know what I was talking about in the first segment about how. You know, the economy, I think, is slowing down, but probably not a recession. Right. Um, why is that such an unusual view? Because we're divided politically, because politics has eaten everything up. So if you're a Trump supporter, you, you're going to say the economy's booming. And if you are part of the resistance, then you're going to say the economy's just teetering on the end of the cliff and it's going to blow up and everything's terrible. Um, because that has essentially, it's hijacked your thinking process. It's almost like a kind of possession um, in a kind of in a kind of an intellectual way, it possesses your thought process, so your political loyalties override everything else. That is also seeping. Now, I'm not saying I'm right that it's a slowdown, not a recession. I don't know if I'm right. All I'm saying is I'm suspicious of a process that always ends up with when my guy's in charge, everything's great, and when my guy's not in charge, everything's terrible. I'm suspicious of any of people who keep coming to those conclusions. And so I think we're also seeing in financial life and investment life the tendency to want to use corporations to enforce our views on others which means that let's say you're a person who's really into the LGBTQ um, agenda. Um, you can push corporations to have equality for gay people. Okay, sounds good to me. As a shareholder, I wouldn't want you to fire somebody because they're gay. That's dumb business. If you've got a great computer programmer, someone who's terrific, a, per a terrific salesperson or a manager or a great worker who's gay and you fire them because they're gay – that's that's dumb. I don't do that. You know, uh, that's not good business management. It's yep. not good stewardship. And so I'm glad that corporations, you know, have they've gotten rid of discrimination against gay people. But now I've got a situation where, let's say you're a Baptist and you give a sermon on Sunday and you say, I, you know, I think that uh, married that God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And the marriage is between a man and a woman. And you come in Monday morning and there's a pink slip sitting there. Well, that's also bad management. That's also unjust. It also does not reflect human dignity. Um, and so I would I think there needs to be a witness in the boardroom um, for all of God's agenda. And I think all of God's agenda is to protect all of God's people, to protect the dignity of all of God's people, including the dignity of their conscience and including the dignity of the unborn. So if a corporation says we're going to not um, have operations in Georgia because they have a heartbeat bill, I think that's wrong for corporations to do. First of all, it's in the interest of corporations to not kill future customers. Toys R Us faced this decision. They ended up supporting Planned Parenthood, um, and then they went bankrupt, and they even admitted in their bankruptcy statement it's because of demographic trends. There just weren't enough people. There just weren't enough children hmm. to buy toys for in America. What's well, bad business to kill future customers? It's also terribly immoral to kill future customers, but it's also bad business. And so what I've seen is from folks on the left, they've tended to engage with corporations, and they almost always win. What I've seen from conservative evangelicals is we don't engage. We sin scream them. We say, well, you're not standing up for our values, so we won't put you in our portfolio. We'll put a screen. <clears throat> and I think that I, I understand why people do it. I don't fault them if they think in good conscience they can't invest in these companies. But I would like to suggest a different direction 
which is that you do invest in these companies and then you talk to them. You explain to them, you're the shareholder, it's your company, the CEO works for you, not the other way around. It is not in, it's not consistent with good values and human dignity uh, to boycott a state, a low-tax state that's good to do business in because they want to protect the unborn. In fact, you ought to be on the side of the unborn. So I'm urging Christians to rethink the idea of shunning corporations that have some bad policies that we don't like and instead take what I think is closer to the Jesus model, which is you'll have lunch with anybody. Um, and you won't be the one that walks away, nice. but you, but that lunch might not be entirely comfortable for the Pharisee or the tax collector or the prostitute that you're eating with, because you are going to talk to them about prob- the problems you have with the way they treat people. And so, Jerry, do you say you would go to the shareholders meeting, stand up yes. at the open mic and have your say? That's a pretty big step, but yeah, I would I would like to see what you see at annual meetings is a whole bunch of activists, gay activists, global warming activists. You know, they buy just enough shares so they can stand up and speak, and they do so. Right. And all the people who are not on board with that stayed home um, because the the conservative side and the morally conservative side in particular don't engage. In fact, when I talk to Christians about this, they don't even know they have the right to speak. Really. Uh, so I would like to see much more active engagement uh, by the people who are the shareholders, especially by Christians. So then you're advocating an investment an investment block by conservatives who are able to, like the liberal left, would show up at shareholders' meetings and have their say. And all of a sudden then there is some sort of debate on the floor. Absolutely. Um, I'm not advocating – um, fear tactics, intimidation sure. tactics. No, no, no. Uh, because that's what we've seen on the other side. You know, we're the human rights campaign, and you have to be on board with the gay agenda, and they keep raising the bar for what on board means, right? right, right? right. Um, so, and the companies have to jump through, you know, smaller and smaller hoops. Otherwise, we're going to mark you as anti-gay, right. uh, and Against we're going leaders. to boycott you and everything. I don't think that's the approach we ought to take. I think we ought to actually speak to people from a standpoint of goodwill. We ought to appeal mm-hmm. to their conscience. Uh, we ought to not threaten. So it's like, okay, uh, we like, you know, so maybe you're an investment investor in a bank and you think they've got good policies and they're on sale and it's a good price and they have good corporate culture, but they're giving money to Planned Parenthood. Or more likely, they're matching um, employee donations to Planned Parenthood. And so you sit down and you say, you understand that the people in the womb who Planned Parenthood is exterminating are future customers of yours. You understand that, right? You understand that Planned Parenthood puts its clinics near black neighborhoods. You understand that historically it has been used as a way to try to decrease the number of people of color in our culture, that it's been used as an instrument of eugenics. You understand that, right? Um, You understand that science shows that infants can feel pain from a very, very early age. Do you understand that? Yeah, we understand it, but we're going to do it anyway. So are you going to boycott us? No, we're not going to boycott you. We're going to stay here and keep talking to you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You remember when Jesus had a confrontation with the rich young ruler, and we've talked about this before. I think the rich young ruler wasn't in trouble because he was rich. I think he was in trouble because he was corrupt. He had corrupt practices. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about why. Which one walked away? Mm, he walked away. Right. Not Jesus. And Jesus said, didn't walk away. No. Right. So when did we become the walkaway people? Mm-hmm. When did we become the people who say, you did something bad, I'm walking away? Right. I'm disgusted. Um, I've had enough. You know, yeah, we, we can't, I can't be associated with you. I'm not clean. 
if I work in a company with you. I'm not clean if I invest in you. I'm not clean if I'm your friend. I'm not clean if you're one of my customers. I'm not clean if you're one of my customers. I have to sever my association with you in order to be clean. I don't think that's the biblical concept of cleanness. I don't think that's the Jesus concept of cleanness. I think when Jesus, who's clean, touches something that's unclean, Jesus doesn't become unclean. The thing he touches becomes clean. Um, so I don't think we're in the retreat mode, but that's been the general, the general tact for evangelicals has right. been separation. And boycott. Um, which is more the Pharisee model. Pharisee actually means separation. Um, I think the Jesus model is engage, engage, engage. You're never the one that walks away. You're never the one who says, I won't have lunch with you. You're never the one who says, I'm not going to deal with you. Um, they, maybe eventually the rich young ruler says, I cannot sell Jesus on my idea of stealing from the poor and being one of his followers. Uh, so I, the rich young ruler, am walking away. There, but we've become the walkaway people. Uh, we've become the Pharisees in many ways, and I'm urging evangelicals who are in finance, that's my industry, to start to talk to – and talk to your financial advisor. Say, you know what? I'm, a, I'm an owner. I own General Motors or GE or whatever I own. I'm, I'm an owner. Uh, what are we doing about their policies? Are we investing in any companies that do bad things? Yes. Oh, we shouldn't. Really? Every company does some bad things. Um, so where's the cutoff? 1% of your portfolio, a tenth of a percent of your portfolio, 50% of your portfolio, which bad things count? The, the federal government is the biggest funder of abortions, so you can't buy savings bonds? Right. Um, where, where do you draw the line? I say stop trying to draw that line and start to say every time I'm an owner of a company's stocks or bonds and they're do, doing something which does not reflect the dignity of the human being as, as expressed by Jesus – that's not something to run away from. That's an opportunity. Yes. Okay, so Jerry, this is fascinating what you're laying out for us. And of course, you said that, you know, liberal uh, activists left have already done this with great success. So in your arena with other evangelical investors, professionally, I mean, you're, you're with people, uh, you know, on a regular basis. Is there a talk of this? Is this model a reality that actually could be have some muscle behind it? Uh, it could be a reality. It's not. Generally, what, you, what I find in my industry is the people who are talking about the problems with corporations are the separation screen folks. Um, the rest of the industry is basically saying, I'm not going to screen, therefore, I'm not paying any attention. Mm -hmm. um, that's irrelevant. I'm just here to make money. And what I would say is absolutely, your advisor's there to make you money. That's the, that's the purpose of that institution is to get a return, right? To get a good return. Sure. But to, and you're in business to make money. But if one of your supply, if you're, when you're going about your daily business and someone says, talks to you about something they're doing that's wrong, as a Christian, you say, oh, okay, well, I want to talk to you about that. Um, I'm not judging you. I don't think I'm better than you. But I want you to reconsider what you're doing, and here's why. So I think that I'm trying to get something started here, okay? So we're early. Um, what I'm trying to do is to get Christians to think that, that if we have money in our 401k, and there's a lot of, most of us do, every share of a company, you know, a general share, even a bond, is an opportunity to, sit, to talk to the world, the world of the boardroom, which is becoming increasingly important in our culture. It's where the culture war is being fought right now. Every one of those shares is an opportunity to talk to them about the truth of what God requires of all human beings, love of God, love of neighbor. So 
maybe we should use that. Maybe instead of griping all the time, oh, Nike did this, and you know, somebody didn't, someone you kneel with the flag, or somebody's boycotting abortion, or somebody uh, fired somebody because uh, they're you know, they're not on board with the gay agenda. We're always complaining. Right, right, right. Okay, but we own those companies. And we don't do anything. And I got to tell you, I'm hearing directly from these companies and also behind closed doors that even situations where the CEO is kind of inclined towards the sex revolution agenda, even those people are tired of getting pushed around by the extremist voices. And they would actually welcome someone to come along and say, you know what, there's another side to this. Um, so corporations are almost wanting, uh, you know, the target. What I heard from, from someone who knew the CEO of Target was when Target decided to let transgender men into their, into their bathrooms, that what the CEO of Target said is, listen, I didn't like this idea, but nobody showed up to help. When I was there on the board, all the voices of people showing up and talking to the board were from the trans community. No Christians showed up to say, hold on, let's think about this. So how many Christians were griping about that? All of us. I know I was. Yep. Or something that Starbucks does. How many of them even looked at their portfolio and say, do I own Target? And maybe I should show up. Or maybe I should at least talk to my advisor to say to my advisor, is there something we can do about this? And I don't mean punish them. I mean, say to Target, explain our point of view. Just yeah, yeah. speak up and let the, and let the truth of God provide its own power. Just speak truthfully. Well, it won't work. What do you mean it won't work? Work doesn't mean they listen. Work means you spoke the truth. That's, God doesn't evaluate you on whether you spoke the truth and someone changed. He evaluates you on whether you spoke the truth. That's very, it's fascinating. Jerry Boyer's with us. He's the editor of Town Hall Finance, talking about something really interesting. Would we have the wherewithal, the passion, the muscle, the conscience to step before corporate boards and speak the truth? Jerry's going to stay with us. We hope that you do as well. We'll be back in just a few minutes. One hundred one point five WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. Think about how God cares for you and me. Not only would He reveal Himself in nature and in our conscience and give us this written word, but He's given to us the living word. That is, God chose to come to Earth and walk among men so that you and I would really know what God is like. Hear the series, The God Who Cares, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, Pittsburgh, if you've been thinking about a new car, truck, or crossover, now is the time to visit Calusi Chevrolet. With the all-star open house event in full swing, Calusi has great savings on their entire lineup, including Equinox and Trax. All month long, you can qualify for 0% APR financing, for up to 60 months, plus $750 down payment assistance on select models. Check them out at Calusi.com. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. One of the most highly revered Bible teaching programs in the world is facing a challenging financial deficit. If you're among the millions who have personally benefited from the Bible teaching of Chuck Swindoll, then we're asking you to prayerfully step forward and give generously to Insight for Living Ministries. The need is urgent, and your gift of any amount will make a difference in helping to keep this beloved program on the air. You can respond right now. Now by calling 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash donate. 
Hi, everybody. This is Dennis Prager. You know, every week I have the male-female hour. And years ago, I recorded at a synagogue, in fact, a four-part series of lectures called Men's Sexual Nature. I talk about adultery, pornography, values, and sexuality, what men want, what they're like, what their nature is. This is the best thing I ever did on male sexuality. The complete four-part series is now 50% off in the Prager Store. Go to PragerStore.com. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Schatt. You may know me from ESPN's Outside the Lines and Sports Center. What you probably don't know is that I've suffered from Crohn's disease for almost 20 years. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America's Take Steps, Be Heard walk program is the largest national walk program dedicated to raising funds and awareness to combat Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. To learn more about how you can help and to find a walk site near you, please visit www.cctakesteps.org. From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick brothers have returned to the big screen with Overcomer. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crossed paths with a student struggling on her own journey. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shire, the film is rated PG. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. Talking to Jerry Boyer. Jerry's the editor of Town Hall Finance, and uh, we're talking about economics and uh, stuff like that. Uh, Jerry, let's talk about the story of Lazarus. Um, John told me that you've got a new book in the works. Is this one of the subjects that you're covering? Yeah, there's a chapter. I just finished the book, so it's a manuscript, and it's going to the publisher now. So Congratulations. It should be coming out. Thank you very much. Uh, should be coming out uh, next year. Post Hill Press uh, has a new Christian imprint called nice. Fidelis Book, and that's where that's where um, they're, they're the ones who are publishing it. Um, and I have a chapter there on the story. You know, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man or not. I know people like to argue about whether it's a parable or not. Um, I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in what it says. <laughs> um, and um, I'm actually going to be talking at St. Peter's Brentwood about that um, about that particular aspect. So I'm going to kind of bring out some of the research there um, at the end of the at the end of uh, September. Um, and this is a matter of we. You know, the three of us have talked about this before that there's actually a lot more economic commentary in the gospel stories than we're used to thinking, but it involves kind of a close reading um, and sort of being aware of that. And as you go through the story of Lazarus and the rich man, um, and you look at the details closely, I think what what you can see, and I'll lay that out in more detail um, in the book, is um, that this isn't just generic rich man X. There's a very specific rich man that Jesus is kind of pointing at here, Um, and he gives lots and lots of not-too-subtle clues as to who it is. Um, It's actually someone who ended up up killing him. Um, It's the man who will decide that Jesus needs to be killed, and it's the high priest. 
that is the, the that is the rich man that uh, Jesus is talking about. Well, how do I know that? Well, there's a whole bunch of uh, ways to know that. One is he's he's uh, he's clothed in purple and fine linen. In the Greek text of the New Testament, those are exactly the same words that are used for the purple and fine linen that the that the Old Testament describes. The old te- the Greek translation of the Old Testament describes as belonging to the uh, high priest. He feasts morning and night um, religiously. Jo- the word joyously there um, is the same word used in the old te- in the Greek Old Testament um, called the Septuagint for religious ceremonies. Uh, he does this by lamp, literally, lampos, joyously. Well, the high priest is there in the temple um, feasting morning and afternoon. You know, there's the morning sacrifices and the, and the early evening sacrifices by lamp, you know, joyously, meaning religiously, in purple and in fine linen. Uh, so this is not too subtle a hint that he's aiming at the uh, at the, the high priest who is really oppressing the poor, uh, people like Lazarus, like his friend, like Jesus's friend Lazarus, who was poor. How do we know Lazarus was poor? Well, he's from Bethany, and Bethany was a poor town. Um, and in fact, Eusebius says that Bethany actually, the translation is literally poorhouse. Bethany was the poor exurb of Jerusalem. Just like you have like homeless tents in Washington D.C., it's a mm-hmm. little bit like that. So, so I mean, it's a separate city, but it was the poor outskirts. Um, finally, this man says, "Well, let me warn my four, my five brothers." Um, well, the high priest Caiaphas had five brothers, according to Josephus. Really? Um, he married into a family with five brothers. Yeah. I yeah, never. How, this I is mean, bl- this is blowing my mind a little. This is just a little. Um, uh, there's just too many coincidences that you know line up just too well. Plus, the the word that's used for the porch where they lay Lazarus, um, generally in the New Testament, that where it's portico, generally it means uh, the the porch of a temple, like Solomon's portico. Or in mm. the Book of Acts, there's a reference to the porch of the pagan temple. Same Greek word. Mm. So uh, this. So what's my point? My point is I've seen this sermon used as a bludgeon against a lot of people who are in business or whatever. That's fine um, because greed can affect anybody. But the real pointy end of the spear here is at the religious establishment. It, now, it might also apply to other people who aren't part of the religious establishment who are also greedy and neglect the poor. But before we jump on to that extension, let's be clear on who Jesus was you know, kind of staring at <laughs> as he was telling this parable. He was staring at the religious establishment, people of high religious status and high political status as well, because the high priest was every bit as much a political office as it was a religious office. So people with religious and political power tend to like these anti-rich parables in the New Testament because they think they can beat up on entrepreneurs and people who work in business or everything else. But they ought to look at themselves first because these denunciation of wealth parables like this one and the rich fool and the, also the encounter with the rich young ruler, there is overwhelming evidence that Jesus was specifically aiming that at the political and religious elite ruling class of his time. Wow. All right. So the first time you mentioned that in public, did you get pushback, Jerry? No. Um, well, yes. Okay. The first time that I mentioned this idea of looking at what, what Jesus is about, I got pushback. Because the first time I mentioned it, it was with a kind of a, let's say, a religious academic audience, like seminary professor right, type. Right. Okay? Um, but the first time I mentioned this to lay audiences, 
and also gave some of this material as a sermon, the response was anything but a pushback. Mm-hmm. It was more like, finally. And this story of Lazarus, I pull it one other place, which is a group of Christian financial advisors. And just like you, when we got to the five brothers, it was like, wow. It was like, all of a sudden, you just, you, you just turn on a dime. And the parable opens up in a brand new way. And once this parable opens up in a brand new way, then so do the other parables. And you see that Jesus is not giving fortune cookie wisdom about rich people and poor people in general. He is a man sent to the Israel of the first century. He's a man who knew his times. He's also God, which, in, which meant that as a man, he was going to be infallible. Um, he spoke to the issues of the day. He was pointed about it. He was aware of current events, and he spoke, like all of the other prophets in the history of Israel, he spoke pointedly to the ruling class about the way they were mistreating um, the, the poor and even what passed for the middle class in those times. Wow. So, Jerry, is the... I would assume that the first time you say this or the first time someone hears it, it's so different than what they're expecting simply because, I don't know, if it's like this, I don't know if it's that our culture is telling us that the rich man is the bad guy or that the corporate guy is the bad guy or whatever it is that we're reading that into it, or maybe that's something that our churches have assumed. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it probably, I think that that progressive ideology in politics is actually a wrong impulse that started in the church and came out, and there's a kind of a secularized version of it in Marxism Mm. uh, or in other forms of progressivism. I think that early on, the church imbibed an anti-wealth creation, anti-entrepreneurial mindset, not from the Bible. You do not get that from the Bible. They got it from pagan philosophy. So very early on, you know, the church comes out of a Jewish background, and Judaism is not is not it, the Old Testament is not hostile at all to wealth creation. It's hostile to greed. It's hostile to economic exploitation. But it is not hostile at all to economic productivity and innovation and entrepreneurship. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of the old, so it wouldn't be either. But what happens is very early in church history, among some of the church fathers who are largely trained in pagan philosophy. They read Jesus's comments about the exploitative ruling class and think that Jesus is talking about business in general, because Aristotle was very negative about uh, about finance. Plato was very negative about business. Greek philosophy is very negative about uh, about uh, merchant pursuits and commerce in general. And so what happens is the church gets confused in the Middle Ages, and it thinks that God is hostile to wealth creation. Mm-hmm. When no, God is hostile to wealth hoarding. He's hostile to greed, but he's not in any way hostile to wealth creation. In fact, it's the first commandment he gave to a man and woman in the garden to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's wealth creation. You know, turning trees into cities is wealth creation. He's not hostile to wealth creation. He's hostile to hoarding, and he's definitely hostile to exploitation. So Jesus's message in the New Testament about wealth the denunciations are always tied to economic exploitation by the political and religious class, and they also tend to be tied to idolatry of money. But that's got, that does not in any way constitute the idea of being a productive person who's innovative, who runs a business well, and who creates wealth by doing it. In fact, it's, it's the fact that, that God endorses that. 
is one of the reasons why he so fiercely denounces people of the ruling class who go out there and take money from the makers, uh, the, the creators of wealth, who exploit the creators of wealth, because, because the Bible is focused on making us economically productive. Not health and wealth gospel magic, not just believe it and it'll happen, or not give money to this ministry and it'll be poured down on you. It involves hard work. It involves problem solving. It involves wisdom and prudence and skill. You see the man that is um, diligent in his labor. She shall stand before kings, not stand before small men. Um, so it's not magic. It's hard work. But it is a blessing of God, and it's to be expected. And at some point, the church wrongly told the world that that's not a blessing. Um, and I think out of that comes the progressive, the, the, the progressive party's um, hosti- hostility to wealth creation. And then they go back and they use Jesus's um, harsh denunciations of political people who are taking money. I mean, the rich young ruler is a senator, right? And you've got senators you know, who use that parable and the, the statement about, you know, uh, uh, it being easier for a rich man to go into the, enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And they use that to berate entrepreneurs. Jerry Boyer. Jerry, we got to split. Listen, it's a fascinating new look at Lazarus and the rich man, uh, that parable. So, Jerry, we look forward to the book when it's released. And, of course, always your monthly appearance here on our show. Greatly appreciated. Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance. Information about Jerry, wordfm.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis, and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I help them? For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 724-265-4100 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage 
and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. You love the Milkshake Factory? I love the Milkshake Factory because, first of all, milkshakes are awesome. But second of all, they do such a wonderful, from an interior design perspective, Looks great. A plus. Really? Well, listen, there's a new Milkshake Factory in McCandless Crossing that opens on Friday. Oh, my gosh. That is super near where I live. Mm -hmm. That is a dangerous development. Okay. All right. Elastic. That's the key word here for you. Okay. Uh, Ryan Shazier will be honored uh, with a Shaleve shake. Yeah? Yeah. A strawberry shake made with crushed cookies and cream, hot fudge and whipped cream. That that sounds topped with a chocolate Shaleve lion. (gasps) Milkshake Factory is also going to donate a buck for every Shaleve shake sold in September to Shazier's uh, Shaleve Light Fight Foundation. So, um, check it out. Oh, my. Okay. Friday. The three of us should take a, a, a field trip. The first 250 people in line yeah. get an autograph and get to say hey to Ryan Cheesy. Nice. Listen. That's super cool. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump announced today that the Pentagon is getting ready to defend the U.S. in space if necessary. Our adversaries are weaponizing Earth's orbits with new technology targeting American satellites that are critical to both battlefield operations and our way of life at home. Our freedom to operate in space is also essential to detecting and destroying any missile launched against the United States. Space Force, however, has yet to win approval in Congress, but many in the Pentagon worry about the vulnerability of U.S. satellites, both military and commercial, that are critical to U.S. interests. On Wall Street, a good day as the Dow was up by 326 points. The Nasdaq rose 116 With the S&P 500 up by 36, oil up 80 cents to close at 56.57 a barrel. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Hi, it's Mike Gallagher, inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour through the land of Israel in December of 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. We'll learn about the geopolitical, economic, and spiritual dynamics of one of the most fascinating places on Earth. And you'll share experiences that will change how you view the world. Walk the ancient temple steps. Touch the Western Wall, sail on the Sea of Galilee, pray on the Mount of Beatitudes. The list goes on. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your chance. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. The 10-Day Stand with Israel Tour, December 2019. Get more details about the trip or sign up now to join other Word FM listeners on the Stand with Israel Tour by going to wordfm.com Israel. 
Hotel. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick brothers return to the big screen with Overcomer. Well, I have a season with one runner. One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define you? Overcomer, now playing. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shirer. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. So how was your breakfast this morning? Was it magnificent or just meh? You could have enjoyed a little morning comfort at the Bistro to Go Cafe, like their simply delicious signature sugar pecan French toast, a savory Tuscan or farmer-style breakfast bowl, or a daily chef-crafted special. Bistro to Go Cafe will always get your morning off to a delicious and healthy start. Have a great day with Bistro to Go on the north side. See what's cooking at bistro-togo.com. It will be a bit milder across the area tonight under a mostly clear sky, the low 64 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine will be mixed with some clouds, a warmer afternoon, high 82. Clear to partly cloudy tomorrow night, comfortable going down to 59 degrees. And a nice-looking start to the holiday weekend Saturday, partly sunny, staying pleasant with a high of 78. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Very nice. Thanks for coming along. Gorgeous. Absolutely perfect day out there. Very nice indeed. Kathy and I were down at the uh, Carnegie Science Center earlier today. Yeah, we had a great time with Ralph Crew, who's the program director there. I know Mm -hmm. he's a hugely popular guest on our show. You hear him once a month, and um, he always comes to see us where we are, and so we decided... To go visit him where he is, which is weird. Don't you like this? His happens place from time is to time. way bigger. Oh, it's a lot more space. But when you see people out of context, isn't it great? It's disconcerting. Very much so. You know, you're like, wait a minute, what? Uh, I know that guy. I What's ran into some there? listeners of our show when I was moving my daughter into Grove City on Saturday. Yep. That Did you do that too? Yeah. That same thing happened to you. Mm-hmm. And it's so awkward because. You're like sweaty. Exactly. And I'm not my professional self, right? Right. I'm like wearing nasty clothes and Mm -hmm. bad shoes and my hair is everywhere. Right. Anyway, I had to apologize to the person. I was like, I'm really- No, 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 no. You're just living your life. That's all. This is who I am. Anyway, so thanks to Ralph because we had a great time today. We saw the Apollo 11 movie, which 
blew my mind. Seriously. I mean, I've talked about this I know, at length. You've only told me to do it 20 times. But you did not see the real movie, okay? No, You're I seeing saw a student version right. of the film. And Apollo 11, the movie, is streaming on Amazon Prime. Do yourself a favor Have and watch that it. film, it please. Is, I, I loved please. it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And the Da Vinci exhibit is terrific, and it's only there through Monday. Mm. So if you want to see it, you got to get down there. It'll really make you think about how much we take for granted that we owe to one person. Yeah, he's incredible. Originally. I mean, certainly right. people build upon the ideas. I'm not saying we only owe the helicopter to Leonardo da Vinci or the ball bearing, but certainly it would not have, those things would not be a part of everyday life or mechanization or transportation or art or whatever if he was not a part of yeah, it. Yeah, breathed it into life, oh so Oh my to gosh, speak. this is terrific. You know anyway, and I just put a picture up on Facebook. I'll tweet it out too of the three of us. Of too. us, you, me, and Ralph. And Buzz and Aldrin. Okay, so, you know, Da Vinci's, you know, would think about ball bearings and tanks and pieces of artwork. Human anatomy. I've been thinking about shoes lately. Shoes? Yeah, because, you know, the seasons are upon us, right? Here we are at the end of August, and I've been wearing these really comfortable shoes all summer long. Mm -hmm. Walking around, you know, when I get home, immediately I change into a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. And I put these little pair of shoes on. A lot of times I'm walking around barefoot. But now, you know, seasons are going to change we're going to go into boots and heavy wear. And I also think about, you know, coming into the house. When when we come into our house, uh, and I was kind of like the shoe, my, my, my wife would say shoe bully. But I, I just, you know, I, I just take your shoes off. Everybody take your shoes off. When, when you come into your house. Yeah. And I'm not making guests do it. But I'm just saying us. You know, the, our family, as a general rule, when you're outside, those are your outside shoes. When you come into the house, take your shoes off and, you know, keep the house cleaner. Is that cool? Absolutely not. What? What? No. What? I feel strongly about this. You do? Yes. Wait a second. You go home. You're walking around all day long in those crusty, filthy, dirty, stinky shoes. Uh-huh. And then you go into your house and walk around your living room no, and dining room and shoes. bed. I wear different shoes, but I always wear shoes. Oh, I never do. Always. I'm I take never. Shoe- I'm never. I cannot stand to go without shoes. Why? I never. If I wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I put shoes on. What? Yep. What? I can't stand to be without You'll shoes. You'll never live at the beach then. No, when I'm at the beach, I do the same thing. I you mean, wear if I'm shoes at the, at the be- beach? Oh, well, usually I wear flip-flops when I'm crossing the beach. I mean, if I'm walking from the beach to the water, I'm not wearing shoes. But if I'm in a house, really? I cannot. And you know what? Let huh. me just be honest about it since you've asked. <laughs> okay, I did. You too, Mike. Open up a can of worms here. When I go over to someone's house and yeah. they tell me to take my shoes off. No, no, you don't do that. I hate that. No, no. no. I hate, you know why? It's weird. Because I'm not prepared for that sort of thing. Well, I, I've been to people's houses okay. where they have little pair of slippers for you. You ever do that? Stop. No, no. They have I like guest slippers. I don't want to wear Who's someone else's slippers. No, no. They're guest slippers. So, you know. Guest slippers? I don't are we on an airplane? Am well, I at the Marriott? Listen, some people are extremely anal about their houses. And, you know, okay, you got, you're in someone's house. You want to follow along the rules. Yeah, That's I get all. it. Right? I well, get it. I do not. I do not. Mm-mm. What about, you know, just... I like shoes. Okay, so... Shoes what, are good. You know what? You know when this started for me? Hmm. When I started to have heel pain, when I got plantar fasciitis the first time, the worst thing you can do if you have plantar fasciitis is go without shoes. Oh, really? Right, because you, you need to maintain the arch in your foot and you need to stretch out that, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where it started. 
and now I've become, I'm a bully. I'm like, get your shoes on. Get your shoes what on. What are you doing? I'm telling him to take the shoes off. You're you saying put the shoes on. have like opposite mantras. It's a good thing we don't live together. No, wait a second. When I come to your house, I keep my shoes on. That's right. And I'm glad for it. But you, you okay, so. But when I come to your house, I'm also leaving my shoes on. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. I might not be coming again. No, no, you're welcome. But, you know, I just think, you know, the. Mike, are you, you're a take your shoe off household. Well, you know what? What? I, ne- I never used to care. I didn't care. I used you're to wear, a guy. I used to wear my shoes all through the house. Yeah. But now that I'm married, that's totally changed. It makes good sense. Totally changed. Now, why? Because once you once you became a married man, you had different sensibilities? No, no, no his wife my, told my him, take your shoes like, off. You come in the house, you're taking your shoes off. I have a shoe. I have shoes for mm. just walking around the house. Right. I take I take my work shoes off. I put on my home shoes. Mm. Oh, I walk yeah. around the house. Yeah, yeah. And then if I go downstairs, I have to wear my to the sandals. basement. The basement. To the basement. Yeah. I do the same thing. Now, if you I have wear a, basement shoes, I have basement shoes. What? Because the basement's yeah. funky. Yeah, it's a basement. Now, when I have a guest, I, I'm not going to pressure guy. them. Right. They can do whatever they so want. So if I come over, I don't have to bring my no, basement shoes. I'm not, I actually, might sigh or something. <sighs> I might have a special pair of. Uh, flip-flops for you guys that'd be nice because you know okay. i like you a sure you want to wear those shoes you want... for those people that have cleaners fasciitis i got some wipes right. here for you yeah i could some wipes well, I could take not those, wiping my shoes take those or off. my feet in your house ever. i mean you're carrying all that outside sludge i in still your can't house. believe somebody asked you to wear somebody else's slippers the little yeah it's okay I mean, they're fine were they you know, please you know tell me they were no they were blue they had white they had white carpet Okay. So I, mean, I understand. Okay, that. so that's a mistake. Yeah. Right. Well, some people like it's a, mis- it's a mistake they've right? made. Yeah, yeah. Because I mo- when right. I moved into my house, it had white carpet also, and I had to live yeah. with that for many years until I had enough money. Many years until I had, they were seriously. Filthy. Well, until I had enough money yeah. to get rid of the Black. carpet and do something else, it was at least five years. We had so they weren't white, but they were like super beige, and then we you know then we had kids. And one time, my youngest, he was like two, and a friend was coming over who he liked. It was an adult friend of ours. And right before, he had had breakfast, and he had blueberries for breakfast. And then my friend showed up, and he was like, hey, hi. And my kid got like super excited. He jumped up and down, and all of a sudden, it was like this massive pile of blueberries, and that stain never, never came, came out, off. Because there's like, no way. Blueberries on the carpet. So... Just a do? little, just a little trick though. If anyone's looking for a carpet cleaning hint, <laughs> okay. This episode brought to you by Heloise. Is it baking soda involved? No, I'm saying if you have wool carpeting, you would have been able to get that out. Mm, I don't know what it nylon was. carpet. Any, any, most carpeting, it's just just too hard to get out. But you can uh, try regular dish soap, yeah. diluted with a with uh, water and a spray bottle and a whole roll of bounty paper towels. I was using every chemical known to man. Seriously, it was like Three Mile Island. I understand. I got to tell you, I have I have a wool carpet in my house mm-hmm. and which is very expensive. The only reason I had it is I worked for a carpeting company. I have gotten red Tylenol out of it. What? I've gotten a, you know Chinese food is a real problem because of the oils that are in the sauces. Yeah. I got that out. Really? I've gotten blueberries out. I've got I'm No kidding. Really, Chop suey. Huh. I've never had the chop suey. Happy chop suey day. Yeah, yeah. I got a stain. Speaking of stains, I got a Sharpie stain on my pants. That's that's done. I think you're these done. Are, I'm done. I, I love these pants. Can do. And it's like, it's right there. What color is it? Black? Blue? Black. Black. Yeah, look. Well, hold on. Stand up here. Oh, yeah. It looks like garbage. Yeah, 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 those are khakis too. Yeah, That I looks know. like yeah, garbage, done. doesn't it, Mike? These are my favorite pants. Like, yeah. the really favorite pants of mine. That's too bad. All the I can worst. say is put that spray stuff on it when you get home and hope uh, for the best. It's a little too late. If anyway. only it was in the carpet, I could come over and help you. Anyway. I don't know anything about pants. Thanks for listening to me complain about stains. Anyway. So the, the, uh, the message we're trying to give out is to keep your shoes on at home. 
No, take your shoes off because you don't want that nasty grime coming in from outside. Okay, what's next? Oh, oh, gee, I got a little excited there. Addiction Nation, right around the corner. 101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend with the best new music. New, new, new music from Rent Collective. Your name is power. Your name is power over darkness. Believer by Rhett Walker. I am a believer. And Remind Me by Blanca. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Nello Construction and Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-555-88. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-555-88. That's 800-555-88. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillow's mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com, promo code WORD. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. My guess is, in your circle of family or friends, you know someone who's an alcoholic or an addict. And uh, over the past decade or so, uh, that truism really has exploded because you look at where we have been as a country with opioid addiction and uh, how that's just seized people's lives. I mean, I can count on on one hand, I know I know at least five people who have been affected by this. And these were like regular, you know, regular good people, you know, not deviants, not people hanging out in the back alleys with, you know, needles stuck in their arms or whatever. But these were just people who 
went into the hospital for one thing and came out with an with an addiction. And I think that story has been told again and again and again. It's finally wound its way back to the drug companies themselves, and now they're finally being held accountable. But you think about how many lives were just mm-hmm. ruined, how many deaths, how much turmoil has been caused. Well, Timothy King is with us. He's written a new piece, a new book called Addiction Nation, What the Opioid Crisis Reveals About Us, and we're happy to have him with us live today. Tim, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, can you tell us your story, Tim? So you ended up going in for some surgery? Yeah, so I had uh, a mild case of pancreatitis. The doctors weren't sure why I was 25 at the time. And they did another procedure, and it actually caused what they call acute necrotizing pancreatitis. Mm. That ended up me up in the ICU, my organs failing. I was in acute respiratory distress, and the doctors gave a 50-50 shot of whether I'd live or die. Wow. And that was when they upped the amount of pain medicine that I was on. So I had a button I was pressing every 15 minutes, and I had a patch of fentanyl on my arm. And it was critical at the time. It was the medicine I needed. The doctors thought that I might have died. My organs couldn't take the stress if they hadn't given it to me. I see. But that wasn't the end of the story. How long ago was this, Tim, this happened? This was almost 10 years ago now. Okay, Mm -hmm. so at the time then, nobody's talking like we're talking now, or certainly people are not writing books about opioid addiction 10 years ago. No, but at the same time, the problem was there. So when I was in the hospital 10 years ago, I didn't know it, but that year, I believe it was almost 14,000 people died from prescription opioid overdoses alone. Wow. 10 years ago. And that was record-breaking. Wow. And we weren't talking about it. Yeah. And I think that's part of why things got so bad. There was the silence. There was the shame. People didn't want to talk about their struggles. And they had a loved one, a child, a family member, a spouse who did pass away from an overdose. They wanted to keep that secret because they thought that it couldn't happen to them or that it shouldn't happen to them. And if others knew that they would be judged. And what happens when we keep these things secret and hidden? Mm -hmm. They grow worse. They sure do. Okay, so then... Your journey, just a regular guy going in for a procedure, things got bad for you, all of a sudden you're hitting that button every 15 minutes. When you left the hospital, were you prescribed opioids? Yes. So I was sent home with heavy doses. And again, at the time it was important. And this is something there might be listeners out there who are chronic pain patients, and it might be okay for them to be on opioids. It might be well prescribed. We don't want to be fearful about these drugs because they can have their role. But what happened for me is I began to associate the opioids, not just with the physical pain relief, but also dealing with a sense of isolation, dealing with a sense of of fear in my life, because I had become afraid of experiencing that pain. And that was when I moved from a simple, what they would call dependence, that my body was used to being on that, to a compulsive addiction, where I was losing control of my own ability to take that that medicine as it was prescribed. And one of the things that has amazed me, the more I've studied it, I used to have in my head kind of a divide between people like me who went into the hospital and those who might have started their addiction on the streets. And the more stories I've read of people who maybe their addiction started on the streets or different places, the more I've realized they're all the same. Because I really believe that all addiction is rooted in trying to address some kind of pain. Mm -hmm. People aren't just going out wanting to get high or just experience the pleasure they're normally trying to address an important lack in their life. And that might be disconnection. 
That might be a lack of relationship. That might be searching for meaning and purpose or trauma is a huge factor. If you've had childhood trauma, the likelihood of you trying to self-medicate becomes much higher. And that's where part of my message in the book is we want to normally create these separations, but I really believe that just like we understand from the Bible that sin is a part of all of our lives, these tendencies towards addiction aren't just a small group of people. It's present in all of us. We're talking with Tim King, Addiction Nation, what the opioid crisis reveals about us. So Tim, as you're on your own journey, uh, I'm sure, you know, friends, loved ones were like, going, what's up with Tim? You had to be a, a different guy. Were, were there outward signs of personality changes in you? So that was something that was interesting in my case. Uh, my addiction was caught early. My doctor saw the signs early on more as physical symptoms than outward changes. Because one of the surprising things is that a lot of people can function without people knowing for a long time with an addiction because it's not an, something that is fundamentally just about a moral or personality change. There's physical changes that are happening in the brain. And that's where one of the most world's most famous opioid addicts was William Wilberforce, the British politician who helped end the British slave trade. Really? He was on heavy opus. Yeah, William Wilberforce. Um, for over 30 years, he was on heavy doses of opioids, and it probably ended his life prematurely. But even that entire time, he was doing good and important work. Oh, that's fascinating. And nobody would have known. Well, a lot of his friends could see it, and it had started to de- de- deteriorate his health. But that's where it's important to understand that um, while we often associate addiction with something like someone begins to steal or has these mm-hmm. other behaviors, Oftentimes, that's a secondary consequence, right? That's not at the core of it. You can still be a good person, and this is one of my primary messages. Good people get addicted, and it doesn't automatically remove that God made you good. It's something that is a corrupting factor. You know, it's harmful in your life, and it can harm others, but that doesn't mean that addiction itself is a moral failing. Mm -hmm. It can lead to those things, but it's not in and of itself. So talk about then the the nature of the doctors that you interfaced with, because as I'm reading Addiction Nation, three separate times you were sort of pegged as this guy, right, trying to sort of, you know, go for something. Uh, You were looked as less than. There was an element of shame there. I'm sure a lot of fear. Tell us those story about those doctor interfaces. Yeah, so at three different points, I had those doctors, as you said, um, confront me in really harsh and shaming ways as if I had done something wrong. And this was what was so different with the fourth doctor. The first thing he said to me is, you didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. and I understand that you're still in pain. Because he started with seeing that I was trying to achieve something good. I was trying to achieve a moral good in the wrong way. And that my brain had changed as a result of that long usage to a way that I wasn't really able to identify in myself what was happening. And that's one of the things that whenever you see someone struggling struggling with addiction, overcoming that addiction or moving into recovery isn't ultimately about stopping the behavior. It's about focusing on that good, that life that you can achieve after the addiction and cultivating that. And one of the things that we know, like I know as a Christian, is that the most transformative thing in my life is not something that I have earned or I deserve. It is a grace that is given to me as a gift. 
And that grace comes from God, but it also comes in the forms of other people who are compassionate, empathetic, and were ready to stand beside me and work with me through that time. Timothy King is with us. He's the owner of Vagabond Consulting, and he's also a consultant for the Center for Action and Contemplation. His work has been published in CT and Sojourners. His new book, Addiction Nation, What the Opioid Crisis Reveals About Us. Tim, go back and tell me what symptoms, I guess, you were having that your doctor would have noticed that maybe if I were your friend, I wouldn't have. So a few pieces. One that was very specific to my situation was I was on so much of this medication that my um, digestive system stopped working. I hadn't wasn't able to eat normally for about nine months. And as soon as I started to try to eat again, I couldn't keep anything down because the pain medicine that had once been benefiting me was now doing more harm than good by shutting down my digestive system. And he was also watching the increase uh, in my consumption, that I was running out of my pain meds faster and faster Mm. when I should have been improving. And that's where if there is someone in your life, um, I normally had had in my head before this idea of these confrontations that would somehow shake someone loose from their addiction, where really one of the best methodologies that's been developed is called motivational interviewing where it starts by asking that person what they're trying to achieve in their life and if they feel like there's anything that's holding them back from that. And so my doctor was able to focus on that positive and then help me reflect on what what was holding me back. And one of the stories that I think of in the Bible is when the prophet Nathan comes to David, and he doesn't start just by saying, you did this wrong. He He started by drawing out David's own value system what David aspired to be, and then helped show him the ways that what he aspired to be wasn't consistent with what he was doing. Yeah, so he was falling short of what he wanted to do. I see. So in that process then, Tim, as you're getting sober, and I mean, that's the proper use of the word, right? Because you had to get sober. So, I mean, the opioid addiction, I'm sure rooms, you know, NA or AA are filled with, you know, addicts who are using opioids. Was that your path or were you able to be weaned off it separately? So I was weaned off it slowly over the course of time, which unfortunately isn't always available to other patients. Doctors get afraid, they get worried. And they cut someone off right away, which can actually make things worse. And which is why, you know, I've got no love for the big pharmaceutical companies. And I'm glad right now, as you mentioned, there's there's a reckoning for the way that they lied and deceived people. But what happened is when people got kicked off their prescribed opioids, folks were so desperate that they turned to heroin and they turned to street heroin. And now that street heroin has illicit fentanyl in it and has become more dangerous than ever before. And so for me, my process was more about that cognitive behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing, as well as my own spiritual practices of of journaling and meditation. And those were part of what sustained me. And one of the things that I couldn't have done it without was supportive and nonjudgmental people who allowed me to improve over time. Sometimes we want people to change once and for all overnight, like a Saul to a Paul moment where often we change slowly over the course of time as our hearts reorient towards what's good. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really important for us to hear. Uh, Our time's almost up, Tim, but I want to ask you, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that 
if you know someone who's addicted, that they're reaching out because they are they have a, a, a deficit, they're longing for something, or they're um, they're trying to find healing for something that's happened in their past. What are you comfortable telling us what the case was with you and what you were able to to discover about yourself? Yeah, the biggest piece for me was wrestling with the trauma of being in the hospital mm. and what that meant for my life. It was actually. I had just moved to Washington, D.C. I was excited about my new job. I was working for the Christian organization Sojourners at the time and was excited about what life held. And then as a 25-year-old, out of nowhere, I didn't understand how this could happen to me, that my life would have to go on pause, that everything that I had been planning and looking to do uh, suddenly seemed like it was snatched away from me. And in the midst of that, I, I didn't know how to process all of that. I didn't know how to process that it wasn't just physical, but that this illness had affected me in emotional and spiritual ways. And the thing is, when you feel that helpless and you find something that temporarily mm. makes you feel connected right. or makes you feel a sense of love, that's what you'll turn to. And that's how our brains learn, is we look for that thing that gives us that early sign of hope. Um, and that's why I think addictions are dangerous, not because they always lie, not because these drugs are all bad, but because they mix truth and lies. Right. And it gives a taste of something good while simultaneously hurting us in other ways. Tim, how are you now? I'm doing well. This has been a, a meaningful experience for me to take what was such a hard time in my life and something that took me so long to process and to be able to talk to people about it and to be able to share this message. And the more I do that, the more there's a depth for me in in my own sobriety and also learning these lessons in other areas of my life. What else do I have in my life where I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do? And I'm able to use those same lessons from addiction to continue to change and become more of that person that I was made to be. That's powerful. I mean, for all those people, Tim, anybody out there right now who is suffering some form of addiction and those family members who have been caught in this uh, vortex of horror and pain, Mm -hmm. uh, the love and the grace, um, I'm sure your faith played a part in this as well, did it not? It did. And that's where that faith has those basic lessons of love and compassion and empathy, but also in hope. And that's where one of the things that blew my mind when I was studying addiction was this one researcher. They went around to these three different alcohol recovery centers, and they studied every person who was being treated there. And then they went to the staff and the counselors and gave them a list of the people they said were most likely to recover and enter into sobriety. They leave, come back a year later and see how their predictions were, and they were spot on. They were So each person was more likely to get sober, stay sober, more likely to get a job and keep a job. And so everyone wanted to know, how, how, like, what did you figure out about people that you could so accurately predict recovery? And the big reveal was nothing. They had randomly assigned all of those people to the list. The only thing that had changed was the staff and the counselors all believed those people were most likely to step <laughs> into sobriety. And so there is a hope yeah. that I have that isn't just wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. It is a hope rooted in faith and grace 
that actually can change the reality for other people. When we change how we talk about this issue, when we change what we believe about this and about when, what we believe about those people struggling with addiction, it will actually change outcomes for those folks. Oh, that's fabulous. Tim, thanks for being with us. Timothy King, Addiction Nation, what the opioid crisis reveals about us. Tim King. following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 800- 671-7070. That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us, at extremetruck.net. What's happened to my son? We raised him in the church, and he went to youth group. He's not acting like himself, and this morning, I found drugs in his room. I can't tell my pastor or my friends. They'll think I'm a bad parent. Is this my fault? I'm so ashamed and don't know where to turn. There is hope. For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has been helping families to find answers to their loved one's drug addiction. Call today, 724-265-4100, or visit paatc.org, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Bill, Susan, you guys look amazing. What's the secret? Our new Sleep Number 360 smart bed. He chooses the comfort on his side. I choose mine. We feel great. Can it help keep you asleep? Yes, it senses our movements and adjusts to keep us both comfortable all night. I don't think it's a secret anymore. It's the biggest sale of the year and the last chance to save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. Plus special financing ends Monday. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hi, this is Brad Marshall, general manager here at Salem, Pittsburgh. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're a listener to our station. If you love this station and you have experience in sales, we'd love to talk to you. You already understand our mission and what we do. So now maybe you'd like to join this team. If you have sales experience and understand digital marketing, we might have a job for you. Call me and we'll discuss the next steps. Call Brad, 412-503-4770. If you love us, come join us. It could be a life-changing opportunity for you. You'll never know unless you call. It will be a bit milder across the area tonight under a mostly clear sky, the low 64 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine will be mixed with some clouds. A warmer afternoon, high 82. Clear to partly cloudy tomorrow night, comfortable going down to 59 degrees. And a nice-looking start to the holiday weekend Saturday, partly sunny, staying pleasant with a high of 78. 
With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. When are we gonna realize we all bleed the same? We're more beautiful when we come together. We all bleed the same. So tell me why, tell me why we're divided. If we're gonna An Oklahoma teacher is being praised for teaching her students a great emotional lesson that they will not soon forget. Karen Lowe has been teaching 7th and 8th grade students for 22 years. And, of course, I'm saying this because it's Be Kind to Humans Week. So we're setting aside a little bit of time each uh, day to talk about a great story that's people helping people, people doing something nice for somebody else. Anyway, Karen Lowe, she's been teaching 7th and 8th grade students for 22 years, but her most recent day in class was apparently a day of great impact for her career and for her kids. For her sixth day of classes at Collinsville Middle School, she decided to try a new exercise in empathy with her students, and she called it the baggage activity. Upon establishing that her classroom was a safe space to express all sorts of stuff, she asked what emotional baggage meant to her students, 7th and 8th graders. She then asked them to write about some sort of emotional baggage of their own that they had. And since they were not required to put their name on the paper, they could describe it as freely or as quickly or succinctly as they wanted. And they didn't have to worry about being identified. The kids were then asked to take turns reading what their classmates wrote. And all of them were given the opportunity, if they wanted, to identify themselves as the person who was responsible for the writing. Hmm. This is what she said. I'm here to tell you I've never been so moved to tears as what these kids opened up about and shared with the class. They wrote about things like suicide, like parents in prison, like drugs in their family, like being left out by their mom and dad, death, cancer, losing pets, on and on and on. Even more than that, the teacher said, the kids who read the paper would cry because what they were reading was tough. And then the person who shared, if they chose to tell us it was them, would often cry too sometimes. It was an emotionally draining day, but I firmly believe that these kids are going to judge a little less and they might forgive a little faster. Since she wrote about this exercise on social media, her post has been shared, I don't know, something like 500,000 times. And so teachers have reached out to her and said, you know, how did you do this? And maybe I can implement something like this in her class. She even ended up on the Today Show to talk about it. But this is my favorite part, John. She said she made sure that she kept all of the paper confessions in a plastic bag so that the kids wouldn't forget. But She said, the bag hangs by my door to remind them that we all have baggage, but we leave it at the door. (laughs) That's fabulous. As they left, I told them, just remember, you're not alone. You're loved. And we have each other's back. Nice. We all have baggage, but we can learn over time. Leave it at the door. It's a human kindness week. Be kind to humans week.
101.5 WORD. Somebody is going to win a free cruise aboard Family Life's Love Like You Mean It Marriage Cruise, visiting the beautiful Caribbean. And it could be you. Just log on to our station website and use the keyword stronger. When you enter, you'll also receive their free ebook, Stronger Forever, that includes a personalized six week plan to grow your marriage. Make your marriage stronger. Register now to win at wordfm.com slash stronger. I'm not an actor. I was not compensated in any way for this. Byron bought a timeshare. After 12 years of endless fees and broken promises, he wanted out. I saw an ad about a company that talked about being able to get you out of your contract, and they would sell your timeshare. They ripped me off. I found out later on that the market for timeshares is non-existent. So he turned to Wesley Financial Group. They had a very good Better Business Bureau rating, and after reading all the testimonials, I felt like I wanted to give them a chance. Wesley Financial Group got Byron out of his timeshare contract legally. If you are like me and you would like to get out of this contract, I strongly urge you to get a hold of Wesley Financial Group. They are honest and good people, and I just want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. For your free information kit, call 800-349-8877. 800-349-8877. Again, 800-349-8877. Since 1979, Chuck Swindoll has been recognized around the world for his clear Bible teaching, his joyful spirit, and warm expression of God's grace. All this, of course, through the Heritage Radio program known as Insight for Living. But today, this 40-year nonprofit ministry has experienced a challenging financial deficit. Many have personally benefited, but have never given. Please prayerfully consider making a generous donation today by calling 800-772-8888 or give online at insight.org slash donate. With a new college semester right around the corner, your student might need a new mattress for their apartment or dorm. At the Original Mattress Factory, we hand-build twin extra-long mattresses and box springs that are commonly used in college dorms. In fact, we offer twin extra-long mattresses in a variety of models to match every budget and comfort preference. And we can deliver to anywhere in the U.S., including colleges and universities. Visit OriginalMattress.com or an Original Mattress Factory store near you to learn more. Bart, it's an amazing song. Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. The Imagination Tour featuring Mercy Me. Special guest Crowder. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me. Coming to PPG Paints Arena, October 4th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Red state, blue state, Democrat, Republican. I don't know. Do, do you get the feeling sometimes, this is me, that the shoe doesn't fit? Yes. Right? I, I don't know what, what's happened. Like, when, when did I become politically homeless? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Because I'm not, you know, nodding my head and thumbs up at every weird thing that comes down the pike. And we live in, like, in Alice in Wonderland. I mean, we fell through the little looking glass here. Right. Charlie Camosi is with us. Charlie's professor of theological and social ethics at Fordham University, author of five books, including most recently, Resisting Throwaway Culture, How a Consistent Life Ethic Can Unite a Fractured People. But Charlie, welcome to the show. You wrote a really interesting piece um, for Religion News Service on what we're just talking about. The shoe doesn't fit for us and it doesn't fit for you as well. 
And frankly, by the way, good to talk to you again. It, Thank you. Uh, 46% of U.S. Americans, it doesn't fit for. They don't, the 46%, the highest in the history of Gallup, uh, say they no longer identify as Republicans or Democrats. Wow. That's so incredible. So That's an incredibly high number. I, and I'm, I guess I'm not surprised by that, but you'd think with the way we talk, and I, I guess by we, I mean those of us who, you know, pay attention to blog sites or, you know, Twitter. watch TV or whatever, Twitter, you're right, that, that I would think that that was way too high of a number, that most people are ready to sign on for one of these one of these crazy Democratic candidates or, you know, the president who sounds crazy half the time. Yes, I, I'm trying to think of an analogy, and this doesn't this isn't perfect, but I almost think we're like in this stage after Galileo where the, the heliocentric you know, <laughs> thing has been proven, but we're still acting as if a geocentric mm, uh, universe That's good, exists, that's good, yeah. You know, like it's just we, we talk as if there are these two parties and like everyone agrees and it, the, the assumption is just color almost everything about our news coverage, our theology, so many as core aspects of our public discourse, and yet this doesn't. There are far fewer Republicans and far fewer Democrats than there are people that don't identify as either one. We're on the cusp of something very, very new, and virtually no one is talking about it. Right. So, is there such a thing? I mean, as a third party, because you know, during the last election, if you weren't voting for Hillary or if you weren't voting for Donald Trump, then you were essentially, you know, being told by other people, you're just wasting your vote. So, what, what's the deal? Well, two things to say about that. Number one, I, I got the sense from a lot of people that they were voting more against a candidate than for a particular candidate or party. They didn't want Trump or they didn't want Clinton to win. So even there, it's it's not always clear when somebody's voting what it actually it is they're supporting. Often they're just rejecting. But there is this, and I put this in the piece, um, there is this amazing graph uh, which shows on one axis, um, economic liberal and conservatism and the other more social or ideological liberal conservatism. And there is this quadrant, I call it the ulk quadrant, the upper left quadrant, where there's millions and millions of people who are socially conservative and economically liberal, and they don't, they don't have anywhere to go. It's millions of people and tens of millions of people, actually, that voted in the last election that they identify, again, as socially conservative and economically liberal. And they really have nowhere to go. So could we have a third party that, that captured those millions of people? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely we could. And frankly, that's, that's why I wrote the piece. I wanted us to start thinking about where those you know, tens of millions of people could go. Right. What about the people who are economically conservative and socially liberal? Those people, as you know, tend to dominate um, to the extent they exist at all. There's a very small number. Those people tend to dominate our, our public discourse. Right. A lot of Republicans uh, on the East Coast and West Coast media elite types, they tend to be socially liberal and economically conservative. But if you look at the chart, there's, it's a tiny, it is tiny number very, of very people. small. Very, very and, small. Um, and there's far more. That's the lower right quadrant. The upper left quadrant dwarfs. So, but they, so they get a disproportionate you know, num, uh, sense of who they are because they're so influential in our discourse. But in total numbers, just tiny. Right. Okay. So, Charlie, in the piece that you wrote for RNS, you talk about you, you know you leaving your party of choice and settling upon something called the American Solidarity Party. Tell us about that. Well, it, it's a party that, in some ways, is designed perfectly to fit that alt upper left quadrant uh, group. They're 
as pro-life as they come. I'm, uh, I, I apologize to no one for my pro-life point of view. I'm very strong pro-lifer. Yes. Um, but, but I, by the same time, I'm not afraid of government programs uh, either to, in, in part, to advance that agenda and other agendas to support the vulnerable as well. And what the American Solidarity Party does is to say, let's not just have big government programs for the sake of big government programs, but let's actually make sure that they're effective programs, that they're building solidarity mm-hmm. between people. That's what, that's where the, oftentimes we can get programs that actually, uh, you know, hurt or even fray the bonds of solidarity between people. And so it's a, it's a small party that's not going to win the presidency in 2020 or even uh, conceivably in the next maybe 10 to 15 years. But when are we going to stop saying things like this is the most important election of your lifetime? How can we throw your vote away? Right. I mean, you know, this there's going to be that that phrase is going to be used for the rest of our lives. Probably, probably. at a certain point, we just have to say, I'm going in a different direction and you should join me in that direction. Right. right. OK, so then what you talk about this as well. You talk about the donor class. Right. So the the wealthy people or even the people who just, you know, people who give ten dollars, but some people give, you know, multiple folds of that. That donor class has to follow along because Democrat, Republican are built upon the backs of that. Right. I mean, it's it's where the money comes from. And that's what builds the platform. That's true. So, um, and especially in the last generation uh, or two, it's been that way. But since Obama, I think we've learned that um, small donations really do matter. If you can get a large number of small donations, somebody like Obama can come and sneak up on Hillary Clinton like he did in 2008. Right. Or, or Bernie Sanders can come sneak up on Clinton in, in the last election cycle. So I really wonder, could we get a, uh, maybe this is naive ivory tower professor talking, but could we get a, a significant number of people to use small 10, 20, $50 donations to build up a, a third party? Again, that could, you know, not even necessarily the upper left quadrant, but particularly the upper left quadrant that is politically homeless. I think there are so many people out there that are just hungry for them. And this piece is really taken off, I think that shows that there is a hunger out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that phrase, what you're saying, politically homeless. I believe what you're saying, tens of millions of people are exactly in that same camp. And what are we going to do about it? Here's here's an opportunity for Christians, especially, I think, to step up and say, you know, these two secular parties really don't represent us. And one thing that I really admire about the American Solidarity Party is it identifies with the great tradition of Christian, uh, democratic Christian parties that emerged in 19th century Europe. They still have them, like Germany and France and other places have Christian democratic parties. So that, you know, we, we, have, we have one of the most religious countries in the world, but we don't have a Christian, uh, a party that reflects Christian values. Why, why wouldn't Christians step up here and say, hey, these two parties really aren't reflecting us. In fact, we tend to, many of us tend to fall into a kind of idolatry of the right or the left in ways that are just deeply unhelpful. Let's stop that nonsense and, and actually build something that reflects the gospel. Dr. Charlie Camosi is with us, professor of theological and social ethics at Fordham University, the author of a bunch of books, including most recently, Resisting Throwaway Culture, How a Consistent Life Ethic Can Unite a Fractured People. Only a couple minutes left, Charlie, but I want to go back to this alarmist rhetoric that we talked about just a bit ago. This is the most important election of our lifetime. Or, you know, the planet is going to explode in 12 years. 12 years we got. Right, that's all all we got. And what bothers me about this type of rhetoric is that when people are proven wrong, first, nobody ever repents. Nobody ever says they're sorry. Nobody ever says, you're right, I was wrong about that. It just sits out there. No one's ever held accountable for it. And so then nobody trusts. It just really degrades the level of trust in our public discourse. 
Yeah, and I think that's one major reason why we're seeing so much flight from these parties. I mean, who trusts these organizations anymore? Like, does anyone trust their own party really at, at, at bottom? Do they identify in that kind of way where they say, yes, these are my people. These are, you know, this is who I identify with. Of course not. The, we're, we're seeing broad-based mistrust with most big institutions, but in particularly these, these parties and Congress. In my, in my new book, I, I lead with the fact that Congress actually pulls less than cockroaches in terms of their uh, in terms of their uh, in terms of their popularity so 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 come on like let's let's just admit what's happened here these parties have lost us you know the alarmist rhetoric they've used is part of it no one trusts them anymore and it's time to move on it's time it's it's historically odd in fact for the last century or so you've had only two parties and they've remained at least the same in name you know for the first century or so of this republic we've had different kinds of parties that have come and gone well, Charlie, it's a great piece. Let's hope this has some energy and some legs and has discussions like this uh, on the air and face-to-face across the country because certainly we need to change. Charlie Camosi for Religion News Service. Our major parties offer no place for a rising moral middle. Thanks, Charlie. Pittsburgh, this month at Calusi Chevrolet, you could qualify for 20% off the MSRP on select models of all new, totally redesigned 2019 Silverado pickup. That's over $10,000 in savings on select Silverado double cab all-stars. The team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence. Check them out at Calusi.com. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows Windows Are Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys soccer, girls volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Indeed, used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at indeed.com slash hire. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassion care at stockfamilydentistry.com
Half, uh, half empty, half full. Oh my gosh, half full. Half full? Yes, right. of course. We have everything to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are predisposed. <laughs> now, if you would talk to Mike, he would say, oh, I'm definitely half empty. But you are. Yeah. He would say that. Depends, but I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that that's true. It depends on the time of day. I mean, it does. Uh, I don't believe that I'm. <laughs> I, I've had to defend really myself. I've had to defend my my half empty veneer, which I do not believe is a, a true statement. Mm-hmm. But word today, though, that this is true. You know this that optimists live longer. That is. I buy that completely. You do? Why do you yeah, buy that? Because it's because optimists do better in every single area of life. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I mean, except maybe like hurricane prediction. What do you mean hurricane prediction? I don't, well, I don't know if you need to be – I don't know if you, they want to hire optimists for that. But I'm just saying for most things, regardless of your life or where, your job occupation or your age right. or where you live or what your economic situation is or whatever, optimistic people are going to be better. Okay. Well, a study out today says that optimists tend to live 15% longer right, than those who yep. are Eeyores. Sure. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean – Things happen. Life is hard. Oh, here we go. Things happen. Here Life is go, hard, Mike. right? So I, you, I, I'm always worried about John when AOC is brought up. Oh, please yeah. don't like get me like... started on that, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> you just want to push my buttons. I'm you just want to push buttons. That's all. It's, holy smokes! <laughs> Have yourself a great night, and I really do mean that. I really do. God bless you all. The ride home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.